Welcome to The Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Melissa Polizzi. This is part two of the Dream Series double episode. Last week, we explored Alyssa's dreamscape, which involved confrontations with the devouring primordial nature in the form of a bear, protection and empowerment with wolves, and the path of individuation through the woods and up the mountains. The dreams she chose were beautiful, elegant, and spoke to a vibrant inner world on the path of ascension. The dreams I chose are different. Mine are strange, stressful, and at times horrific. These dreams are not empowering. They are reflective of powerlessness, feelings of alienation, persecution, and loneliness. This is not to say that all of Alyssa's dreams are beautiful and that all of mine are ugly and sad, but that we wanted to provide an interesting contrast between the two episodes. So Alyssa, how do we make sense of the diversity of tones that we experience dream to dream? You have, might have a beautiful dream one night. You might mm. have an empowering dream one night. Yeah. The next night you have one that is frightening. You wake up in a cold sweat. Mm. Why does this happen? What does that mean? Well, you know, I think it's important to consider what day-to-day life is like and the range of emotions and experiences that we have and at night when we become privy to what's happening um, in the dreamscape and kind of what's moving around in the unconscious, we can remember that in some ways it can be helpful to think of dreams as part of like a self-regulatory process of the psyche. And so Mm. how that's being expressed each night and what needs to be kind of reworked or fit into place or needs to be expressed in some certain dynamic is going to change from week to week and even day to day. Right. And we have this notion that dreams are a process or they are processing Things that are happening in our life, mm-hmm. our inner world, yeah. um, the psyche is sort of doing something mm. when we're dreaming mm. and dreams might be an expression of this process. And so if we're thinking of ourselves on the path of growth or development in life, yeah. the changing dreamscape, whether it goes up and down or um, kind of explores topics that feel good to us or happy mm. or exciting, but then sometimes it oscillates to this place of horror or yeah. sadness or loneliness. Certainly. The psyche is differentiating itself. Mm. And perhaps these are expressions of that different differentiation process of processing darkness, right, right. kind of washing away a lot of angst and anxiety in yeah. order to reintegrate into something that is stronger and more resilient. Yeah. Or maybe something's being kind of pushed to the surface, you know, and I think, you know, we're maybe more familiar with the concept of how the physical body or the biological structure kind of takes its own processes at night. You know, we go to bed and we heal and we rest and we recuperate, or maybe Mm -hmm. you kind of wake up and there's like a tension and a stress that you kind of feel. And so like something's happening in the body where it's regulating itself and it's going through these things and we don't quite understand it. It's kind of uh, a little bit mysterious in nature, yet there's like almost like an inherent intelligence in our DNA, in our body. And so when we tap into that idea we can kind of apply it to the psychic realm as well that the mind might also be moving through its own processes to kind of set you up to maybe feel a little bit stronger or maybe it opens up some avenue of consciousness for you to tap into and those dynamics are all playing out in dreams which gives them all these different forms and flavors right and it's interesting so in your dreams you have certain symbols images Mm. objects Mm. and the wolves for instance 
were mm. sort of the the image we used for the episode. But yeah. it's a recurring um, object in your dreams, you mm-hmm. might say. Yeah. And in my dreams, for instance, and we're not going to go all uh, over all of these today, but I, I, I often have knives in my dreams. Yes. There's a lot of dreams where I'm handling a knife mm-hmm. either to do something with an object, like cut it in half or I cut off a vine or yeah. carve something. Mm-hmm. Often I'm getting in fights with knives. Mm. And the question is, why might you have dreams with wolves and why yeah. might I have dreams with knives? Not to yeah. say they represent the same thing, yeah. but what is it about the dreamscape? How, how do we how do we make sense about the objects that regularly appear in our dreams mm. for each individual? Yeah, it's to me like this very highly unique um, creative space that's based on who you are as a person. Like what is the repository that your unconscious psyche is pulling from? It's made up of um, things that you've interacted with in your life, things that you're drawn to, things that repulse you, influences, what um, culture you're integrated into, what your family dynamics are like, what kind of archetypal structures maybe feel most important to you. All of that Um, is at play with the certain images and symbols and themes and feeling tones that are being drawn into the dreamscape. So I dream of wolves because to me it represents this kind of, I don't know, this really pure kind of instinctual essence of my spirit. Hmm. And that's something that's kind of developed over, I'd say, like the last five or six years for me. Um, But if you dreamt of wolves, you probably wouldn't get the same feel. The symbol doesn't hit you in the same way. So instead, you have something like the knife, which to you is an object of power or an extension of who you are. And when it comes up in dreams, it's in aid of some kind. So in some ways, it's whatever is being chosen, the symbols, the images that are being chosen are meant to speak to you. Right. So there's a, a nature nurture aspect of mm. dreams, let's say. So if we, if we think about archetypes, right, mm. there's kind of a built in structure of our psychology. Yeah. And so there, there might be universal symbols. Like we all have mothers. Yes. Even if your mother was not present in your life, you still have some sort of structure in mm-hmm. you of a mother figure. And that's an archetype, let's say. Yeah. It's, it speaks to something that's a little. Um, deeper and more meta that we Mm. can't necessarily put our finger on it's like what is this actually but there's expressions right there's expressions of motherliness in dreams that might take the form of your literal mother appearing in your dream Mm -hmm. or might take the form of nature or might take the form of like the fairy godmother or something fairy godmother or um you know there might be a giant white wolf in your dream that takes care of you like out of like princess mononoke or something (laughs) like that it's like that's the mother in your dream right right and so a lot of these objects are just different expressions of the same archetype almost right and so I i think a good example of this is like in our fiction we have this notion of this meta story which is like the hero's journey right the monomyth right and that seems to be built into the structure of our psychology it's yeah. universal but it expresses itself in these very specific ways that, mm-hmm. that vary mm-hmm. and you might have luke with the lightsaber mm-hmm. and the lightsaber is an expression of this archetype of power yeah. or the tool and then you have harry potter and he has a wand mm-hmm. and it's like don't look at the wand as being too different from the lightsaber yeah it's like they're kind of the same expression mm-hmm. no, sorry they're, they're different expressions of the same archetype yeah and so yeah. it's important for us to actually uh, approach our dreams this way too is that the objects of our dreams they could represent literal things in our lives sure. like maybe your mother's in your dream and it actually does represent your literal mother mm-hmm. but 
it's, it's important that we understand that a lot of these objects, these symbols, these images that appear in our dreams are unique to us because of our experiences. Yes, yes. If <laughs> I got bit by a husky when I was a little mm-hmm. and that terrified me, yeah. a wolf might appear in my dream and it's different than the wolf yes, in your dream. Right? And we shouldn't think like, well, the wolves are the same. Obviously, yeah, it's like, yeah. no, my nurture is different than your nurture. Yeah. And that's what makes the dreamscape so interesting and mm-hmm. so unique to each individual. Yeah, it's also why it makes it necessary for you to be involved in this process and really kind of querying into your own being of what does this represent for me? What feelings are constellated when I see the image of a flower or a knife or a dog? Because that's going to vary between each person. It's why you don't have simplistic dream interpretation because it's it's a part of you it's an extension of you and you can find kind of inherent archetypal archetypal structures that might be present in the dream like maybe i'm walking a hero's journey in mine and you're walking a hero's journey in yours but the way that it's um image is so different that um we might not recognize it as the same thing until we actually start to really dive into what those symbols mean to us all right, so these three dreams that we're about to go over mm. are dreams that I had uh, this year over the course of four months, three months more or less. And um, as we'll see, I have a unique dreamscape mm-hmm. that is different than Alyssa's. And yeah. I have different objects and symbols in my dreams that are recurring. And you can kind of get a feel for my experience, my perception, my worldview, um, my story in some sense from this dreamscape and see how is it how it might change from dream to dream and what that might represent two people in the community have been murdered i'm suspicious that i might have done it Friends ask me about it, and I lie. I pretend I don't know anything. The police release a statement that I am the one responsible, and I go on the run. I travel around in a mobile home, hiding from the law. I find a nice ranch out in the middle of nowhere, someplace beautiful to hide, but I know that they will find me. I go to Panda Express, (laughs) where I trick a man into playing rock, paper, scissors with me, so that I can slap handcuffs on him. He's the one responsible for the murders. <laughs> Why did you laugh at Panda Express, Orin? Uh, there's a change in <laughs> there's a change in tone, I think, immediately when I say that. I know. It can't be helped. Um, it's like really serious. It's like action, action thriller movie, and it's like he's on the run, and then he goes to Panda Express. <laughs> but okay, this is a really great example of how dynamics of your everyday life that mean something, that hold a uh, symbolic quality to them, show up in your dreams. And, mm. and Orin, like, what does Panda Express represent to you? That's what we're going to explore. Yeah. So Panda I... Express, by the way, is, is not a recurring symbol in my dreams, but <laughs> perhaps um, food or a place of refueling mm, or a yeah. place of getting supplies yeah. might be what Panda Express represents. But Yeah. Okay, so jumping into this, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the scene is being set up with this heavy situation. There has been a murder, and not mm-hmm. just like a random murder, and you don't know the people. It's in the community. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're initially diving into a theme of like the collective or you yeah. in relation to people. Right, the, um, the local, localized life. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And do you feel like, you know, just for the context of what we'll be talking about, that that dynamic is a pretty important theme, both uh, for you kind of in real life, but also as we see in the dreams? Yeah, I think that this is a recurring thing in my dreams. I think we'll see it in the next two dreams as well. Mm -hmm. But feelings of uh, the social scene or family and friends, um, the sort of notion of your little microcosm that you live in Mm. as having a lack of balance or things that are broken within it. Yeah. And... um, feeling personally responsible for that microcosm for that community. Yeah. Um, and I think that speaks to real life, but in, in the dreams also there's these things that are like, they're very personal. Mm. They're happening outside of me. Two, two people get murdered, yeah. but it's very personal to me. Right. I find it interesting that in the dream, you're not sure if you have actually committed this act Right. And, um, you know, I think that feeling of uncertainty, that tension is probably being brought over from the conscious attitude and is now being explored in the dreamscape. And if we think about this symbolically and not like you really have like murderous intentions for people that you know in your life, but Mm -hmm. more of this. (laughs) But (laughs) actually, you know, often death murder, suicide, uh, speaking to that generalized theme archetypally is about change and transformation. And you just think about the scale of like, how is that death occurring when it's murder? It's like, I'm taking control of the situation or maybe like something is kind of violently changing or violently transforming. And Mm -hmm. so there might be a tension with you that's kind of beginning in this dream series of your, who you are in relation to the community Maybe they're a desire for things to kind of be shook up in some way. And then there's this feeling of kind of being at fault for that happening. Right. So there's, um, again, taking on responsibility. Mm. I feel like um, what happens outside of me is my responsibility. Mm. Even if I haven't done anything, there's sort of this notion of the community. It's like it's up to me to make sure that this works correctly, that people are getting what they need. Um Friends ask me about the murders and I lie about it mm. and I pretend I don't know anything. Mm. And in the dream, you know, you know, dreams are like this. It doesn't really make much sense. It's right. like, well, do you know something? And in the dream, it's like, no, I actually don't know anything. I just sort of think that I'm the one who did it for mm. some reason. There's just a sinking suspicion that I am guilty. Right. I'm at fault. Yeah. I am bad or right. I've done something wrong and I can't explain it. Right. And but it's reinforced in the dream. You know, the next scene takes you to the police release a statement and I am the one responsible and you go on the run. Right. Um, like, oh, it turns out I, I guess I did it. And um, having to lie about it is very alienating. Mm. And this is true in real life is um, if you find yourself in a situation where you are lying to someone, yeah, that's really alienating. Mm. And that's why when someone finds out you've lied to them, mm a huge gap opens up between the two of you of like, "Mm, like I can't trust you. And our relationship is now really like not as close as it used to be because there's this lack of trust. Mm. So the feeling of having people that you are close with or friends with, and now you are lying to them. Um, that's sort of, um, dabbling with this feeling of like alienation from people. Mm. And then when you have to go on the run, it's like, well, the community's gone. Yeah. I'm gone. I had to leave. Yeah. And these people who were my friends are no longer my friends. They think I'm a murderer. Mm. And guess what? I am a murderer. <laughs> so allegedly. Allegedly. But in the dream <laughs> there's that feeling of like realization of like, oh crap. 
Yeah. I am what I feared I was. Mm. I am guilty. Mm. I don't belong in the community. I have to leave. And do you feel like that is a reflection of your conscious attitude, something that you do struggle with? Yeah, I think that's always been true. Um, and I think this plays into a lot of the, the shadow contents. Um, ever since, you know, I've been little, is like feelings of um, strong sensibilities of morality. Mm. And I think that's kind of ties into the conscientiousness, mm. mm-hmm. um, something that we talked about with the big five traits. But being a highly conscientious person, there's this perception of right and wrong. It's very strong, of like duty, like I have a responsibility. I need to take care of business. It's mm. up to me. And strong self-punishment, self-judgment when those mm. things fail. Right. And so I think that can lead to a sort of pathological sinking suspicion mm. that you are bad yeah. or irresponsible or you have failed yeah. as a human being. Mm. And I think that's at play in a lot of my dreams often. Mm. So you've been accused, you go on the run, mm. and then we move into this new scene. You're traveling around, hiding from the law, and yep. you find a really nice ranch out in the middle of nowhere, someplace beautiful to hide. Right. Um, what do you think that kind of represents for you, this kind of beautiful place in nature? Right. There's a mixture of things going on here, but the leaving home, being forced to leave in some way and arriving at some place, it's like, hmm, this is actually an improvement. Maybe mm-hmm. like this is more beautiful than where I lived before. Mm-hmm. There's peace here. Um, it's the middle of nowhere. I'll be safe here. Yeah. Um, I think that speaks to similar feelings of, um, you know, feeling an instability or feeling an alienation with the place that I'm in. And that mm-hmm. isn't always when we say like where we are, um, where where home is for us. That's you know not necessarily a material thing right. as much as it's sort of like a phenomenological thing of mm-hmm. the perception of where I reside. And that might be where you reside in relationships. It might be where you reside in your vocation. Mm-hmm. It might be where you reside um, geographically as well. But like, where are you at? right now you might ask someone yeah. like where are you at like and you might say like well i'm kind of in this weird place where i'm sort of between jobs and stuff and mm-hmm. we're using these like location metaphors right, to describe right. our current state of being and so that can be the way that dreams express this is like geographical change or yeah. leaving home or things like that then there is sort of this feeling of abandoning my current state of being mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. that is cl- more pure yeah. There's less responsibility. There's no people to juggle. Mm. There's just nature. There's a beautiful right. place out in the middle of nowhere. Right. It, it certainly does kind of bring in this idea of a shift in uh, the conscious environment mm. and that you're moving from a place where it feels hostile or you have to be on the defensive or you're being accused of something that you're not totally sure if you've done. Yeah. Um, that hostile place to one of... Uh, maybe more nurturance or healing, um, a place where you can rest and recuperate. Yeah. But it's interesting because there's still this tension in the dream. You know that they will find you. So right. even the, though you've run. This escape is not permanent. Yeah. And I can't actually have this nice, mm. pure, simple place to be. Yeah. It's like, that's not going to work. Like they're going to find you. Mm-hmm. Which might be kind of like 
representative of this this ranch and this beautiful place being at least at this time a figment of your imagination Mm -hmm. it's like not real it's an illusion yeah um whatever is causing the the struggle and the scene to even be what it is needs to be faced ultimately Mm. and i think you know that's maybe at least where the dream takes us in the next scene because to panda express to panda express so i either can't remember or it's not clear, but somehow I go from the ranch to Panda Express yeah. um, from the middle of nowhere to someplace <laughs> that's really representative of the city. Right. Um, Panda Express is not like totally random. It's a place that I go to eat every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I encounter a man who I trick into playing a game. Yeah. Which seems pretty harmless. Mm-hmm. Rock, paper, scissors is a very silly game yeah. that people play usually when they're just super bored mm. or almost as a joke to be ironic. Um, but by tricking him into this game, I slap handcuffs on him. Um, and he's the one responsible for the murders. So yeah. suddenly there's redemption. Right. I'm curious if you can recall what the feeling tone around this last part of the scene, this is the lysis, this is where the dream is ending and coming to its conclusion, and how is it closing out? What's the feeling as you, you know, handcuff this guy? Is there a feeling of relief, excitement? Um, I, I think that can kind of speak to what's really happening as the dream comes to a close. Yeah, relief. Um, definitely. I mean, the the dream is incredibly stressful. Um on the run from the law, mm. um, having no home, having to abandon everything you know, having no support, being alone, um, and then suddenly returning back to the city in some way, something that's familiar, something that represents maybe home, like mm. Panda Express. There's one that's just like, you know, a mile from here. It's like that's representative of home mm. in some weird way. Or maybe a place of comfort, you like, you know, there's comfort food. You go and get food and it makes you feel comfortable and you're like, mm, I feel, I feel at home mm. having eaten. Like mm-hmm. I feel safe and nice and Pan Express might represent that. Um, but the, uh, the stress is released, you know, just like it would be in real life if you were like wanted for murder right. and you caught the person who was actually responsible and it's like, oh, your name's cleared. Thanks mm. for doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be an amazing relief. Yeah. Um, so there is sort of this um, conclusion, a nice conclusion to the dream where it goes full circle of um, almost like a movie, mm. like a journey of just like, oh, my God, what is happening to me? Like, oh, I am screwed. I am totally screwed to being like, oh, I fixed it and I fixed it myself. Mm. Mm. Um, I think that that's who knows what the psyche is doing there. Yeah. Like, why did you need to go through this? stressful journey just to fix it at the end right like mr psyche like why did you do that right well you know we can certainly kind of take that idea of the questioning of why what is this compensating for what is this reminding me of what is this kind of strengthening or showing attention around and and that's why it's helpful to think about the context of when the dream happened and what's going on in your life and what is stressing you where are these elements those same sort of feeling tone experiences present in in conscious life and uh, and how when you contrast that against the dream imagery you know does that give you at least a slightly more complete image of maybe what's happening in the totality of your own psychology yeah i don't know (laughs) let's gonna move on to uh dream number two all right 
Um, so this dream actually took place uh, about a week later, maybe like two weeks later. I am at the old folks' home where I used to work, and I'm working a Christmas party. I notice a young couple slip away to have sex in the bathroom. Later, they reveal that they were actually molesting an infant. I react strongly and aggressively attempt to apprehend the man, not the woman, restraining his hands with my hands. The dream cuts strangely to the police realizing that they've arrested the wrong man and the infamous serial killer they've been chasing is actually the person that I am grappling with. And this is sort of like a, a, a stereotypical like movie twist mm. where it's like, it turns out we've got the wrong man and the real serial killer is like, he's in your house. Like, ah, oh. <laughs> turn like, around. Like, yeah. And like, that's what it <laughs> yeah. felt like in the dream. It's like this weird, mm. like, Oh, like what? Like I'm with a monster right now. Yeah. Like, um, Anyways, um, the individual I'm grappling with morphs from a scrawny, harmless young man into an older, monstrous female with gigantic sharp teeth. She bites my hands as I try to restrain her. No one is coming to help me. Mm, another intense dream. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the kind of dream. This doesn't happen very often for me, but this is the kind of dream that does make you wake up and mm. like, like, oh, yeah. like where you actually feel terror. Yeah. And that doesn't, that, that really is a rare thing for me. Yeah. Yes. Your dreams are very cinematic in a very like classic, like Hollywood sense, I would say. There, there are a lot of elements of movies, I feel like, yeah. in my dreams. Which um, I think does really express kind of where you often come to mm. when you're talking about like even like archetypal representations like right. what do we say like you've got like the modern myth down you know mm. Aaron's got all of that in that repository of his associations and so his dreams often have these pretty like classic cinematic um tropes happening that it's like right. the camera turns and then you see it was the serial killer right. all my, my dreams are pretty tropey i guess <laughs> They're archetypes, you know? You're just like, all right, that's so predictable. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. I, I Anyways. All right. So, so the uh, the old folks home. Yeah. This is some place I actually used to work. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so this is where I worked, uh, I guess it was like eight years ago. So this is like after college. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this was just sort of a random job that was offered to me. And I didn't really know what I was doing with my life at this point. And kind of still don't, I guess. But um, <laughs> at that time, this was something that seemed like an easy job. It paid mm. very poorly. Yeah. But um, I was good at it, and it was fun. But it was, you know, an old folks' home, as people know, I mean, it, it's a place where people go to die. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Mm. And um, it is people who are at the end of their life. Mm. Like, this is the last chapter of your life, yeah. essentially. And so that's an interesting contrast with um, there being a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Um, a celebration of life, yeah. a celebration of the birth of Jesus. Right. Um, who knows if that's actually a play in the dream. Um, and there's also a young couple at this party, mm -hmm. which is strange. Mm -hmm. So you're having this sort of a um, stretch of youth to mm -hmm. age mm -hmm. that's being played with here. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the infant yeah. that appears. So there's like all these different ages interacting in yeah. strange ways. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, you know, because even talking about like there being a Christmas party, which 
yes, is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, but yeah. also is very based around the winter solstice. You might even think about it as very interlocked in terms of like ritualistic expression, which mm-hmm. is all about like the rebirth of the sun moving kind of from the darkness of winter. And so we have attention, the poli- the polarity, right? Yeah. Of like the shadow and the light, yeah. the young and the old attention of opposites you might say which is usually the container where we experience quite a bit of like upheaval and stress and that's certainly kind of where this dream goes maybe yeah, that's interesting yeah i find the holidays to be really stressful mm, that's interesting that's, to uh, know. yeah who knows if that's actually a play here but mm. so the young couple are up to some very nefarious things and you yeah. have this really heavy reaction to realizing that there is a child who is being violated. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, a couple slipping away to have sex in the bathroom <laughs> is something that's kind of like fun and maybe like lighthearted right. or something it's like, or oh like my God, haha, can't like that's oh happening. look what they're doing like that's nice or something <laughs> or like maybe it would be nice if that happened to me or like maybe that's like playing on something that I wish that like what happened to me where I find like intriguing, mm. like sneaking away to have sex in the bathroom. Yeah. Like, um, and then that's contrasted with something that is like incredibly disgusting and yeah. wrong. Mm. Um, that it, so it just flips from being like, Ooh, nice to like, yeah. Oh, what, like, yeah. what, what is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's how I respond in the dream is like very strongly. Like what a terrible terrible wrong thing you just did Mm. and that's the way i respond is just like you know uh, uh, there's not really another way to describe that but like the the kind of thing that makes you feel like that is like wrong like that's Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen like how dare you do this Mm -hmm. um that's my response and um you know that might reflect uh feelings I have towards vulnerable young people in mm. general mm-hmm. and that might reflect my own experience is like I wish that I wasn't so vulnerable when I was young and I wish that like um someone had been around to protect me more when I was little right and that's not to say that I was molested as a child that's not what I'm putting forward here it's it's more <laughs> like um that uh I felt weak as a child and right, I felt scared right, right. as a child and I felt like I didn't have enough support or protection around me and that might make me feel more sensitive to the idea of like wanting to make sure that children are protected and safe mm-hmm. and this triggers something inside me that's really like not okay yeah yeah it's important to keep in mind you know when you wake up from these really intense dreams where you're experiencing something that seems really horrific or even kind of just like uh fantastical in nature it's like dreams you know are utilizing kind of this uh narrative sort of symbolic concept to kind of really charge up the the dynamics that are at play here mm-hmm. and like what really grabs your attention is something that is very dramatic and thematic and yeah. cinematic and so like you know this might be a tapping in to you know Arn's kind of inner child wounding mm-hmm. and having that reaction we recognize that like the child complex is being constellated like the the wounded child that there's a lot of kind of energy around that and it's being imaged in the dream of course in this way but it's symbolic so we can just understand that um knowing that in the dream some child is being hurt in some way and that dream ego rn is having that reaction it's Mm. something about that needs to be kind of unpacked or understood because it it leads to all these other dynamics in the dream which is kind of like this 
this grappling and fight with like this monstrous dynamic that's really causing a lot of pain to you. Right. So there is a strange like twist in the movie that is pretty tropey, like dun dun dun, like oh my god. And there there is this feeling of horror all yeah. of a sudden that like in the dream is like, oh my god, like this is actually I'm actually like uh, entangled with a monster. Mm. Um and uh it is horrific. Yeah. And um it goes from a young man who seems pretty dopey and harmless mm. and it morphs into a woman mm. and the woman is old yeah. and she is monstrous with yeah. these gigantic like teeth, like actually like a monster yeah. and yeah. she's chomping down on my hands. Mm. And I think the, uh, the change from male to female is interesting. Yeah. That definitely like, that's the kind of like Freudian flag that comes up <laughs> of like, Ooh, what does that mean? Like you have male changing to female. Like it's right. interesting, but yeah. I think it's true. It's like, yeah. why does it become this devouring female? Right, right, right. What does that mean? Um, yes, there's like a lot of ways to unpack it. Yeah. And there's certainly like, this suddenly seems like a great archetypal monster, the phonic mm. feminine, who's mm. like dark and scary and devouring. And yeah. in some ways kind of, reminiscent of dynamics of the anima you know the feminine presence Mm. in one's psyche that is driving some sort of dynamic in a dream and it can be something that's attacking or it can be something that's alluring it takes all different shapes and form but what about this kind of monstrous feminine relates to your experience or what was going on at that time it's like maybe when you had this dream, you were maybe partly unconsciously brought back into a space of, of fear, not feeling nurturance, um, vulnerability. Um, there's certainly a dynamic of like other people being involved and yet something is being wounded inside of you. And so, you know, what is this monstrous feminine doing by attacking you? Is it, mm. is it kind of uh, a marker of something deep inside of you that needs to be addressed? And it is really scary. It's taking this image of something that wants to attack you and bite you, although it doesn't actually kill you in the dream, no. which is always something that's good to note. It's like, mm, this is, it's scarier your your perception of it is quite scary, but I think it's actually scarier than it really appears to be because it yeah. doesn't like rip your head off or like, you know, do something crazy like that. Right. And it, the hands are something that felt prominent to me. Mm. And like I'm like grappling with the other individual's hands, like my hands in their hands. Mm. And yeah, interconnected, um, right? Yeah. 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 There's mirror, mirroring, yeah. a reflection mm. almost. Yeah. Like are you, are you grappling with your reflection yeah. Yeah. or something like that? Right. Um, so there's and, like a feminine dynamic yeah, here. The yeah. inner feminine mm-hmm. to me, yeah, a monstrous version of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe there's something about the inner feminine that I'm not in touch with that I should be. Instead, there's something about it that scares me. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't want to really coin that because I think I am like in touch with my feminine in a lot of ways. But um, the hands especially are... Um, tools mm-hmm. and for me especially it's like i feel very very connected to my hands yeah and i am a very um um trained conditioned user of hands i mean everyone is obviously but like you mm-hmm. know I'm a, I'm a serious guitar player mm-hmm. i'm a serious musician yeah um i do a lot of writing now yeah. with You're my quite hands handy <laughs> very handy right um so um 
the hands to me, they are this sort of manifestation of power yeah. and the way that you turn chaos into order. Mm. This is kind of like a Peterson thing, but the, the, the idea that the hands are the, the manifestation of the logos, mm. um, which has been repurposed into the voice. That's mm. why we talk with our hands a Read lot. The word. Yeah. Right. So the, the things that can reach out into chaos and transmute it into order mm. and solve problems, those like the hands are symbolic of that. Um, and the idea that they're being bitten, maybe there's this feeling of like my power being threatened. Um, well, you know, just to contrast this a bit, as we're talking about the logos, it's like, I think you can certainly be quite in touch with um, many aspects of the feminine. And mm -hmm. I think you as an individual are your pretty good mix of masculine and feminine traits. Mm -hmm. But kind of symbolically and archetypally, you know, the feminine is also representative of just the, um, the feeling toned experiences mm. in all of their variety. And right. so you might be in touch with some of those relational dynamics or kind of in touch with some of your emotional parts, yeah. but in relation to like the wounded child that's in this dream, mm. is there something connected to that emotional experience that feels really difficult and is lodged kind of in the shadow in a way that it then transforms into something that's devouring or attacking or um you know you're connected to it you, right. your hands are both gripped around each each other so you're uh you're linked in this way and yet what's facing you is something that's so hard to look at and that could just be like a deep emotional expression of something mm. and that's kind of like she's the arrows principle to that then and mm. she's exploring more of that feeling realm and the emotional dynamics and the affects that are connected to possibly you know the wounded child let's move on to the third dream so this was about two months later uh three months later uh yeah so uh i'm living in an apartment complex that resembles the same old folks home um i intentionally start a fire in the wastebasket of my room, then escape out the window, making sure nobody sees me. The apartment burns down. I return to the apartment complex later to hear about what happened from my neighbors, but I pretend I know nothing about it. Mm. I'm nervous that the police are going to find out. Hmm. All right, so we're seeing the old folks home back again. Yeah. And uh, this time I live there. Yeah, this time Strangely, you live there. Strangely, I'm not an old person in the dream and I'm not mm -hmm. living with mm -hmm. other old people. Yeah. But the building is kind of like the same building, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. I think to me, it kind of shows an evolution in the dream series where, like, you know, the environment of dream number two with the old folks was like, okay, this is the setting. We're at, we're at the old folks' places where you used to work. There's a Christmas party, yada, yada, yada. But n having another dream and having those interconnected might start to speak to more subtle interpretations of what um, the old folks' home is for you and that mm. it's kind of turned into a place of living and, you know, kind of just generally speaking, when we dream of kind of homes or apartments or things that feel like kind of where we nest, it kind of does speak to um, kind of conscious dynamics um, aspects of the psyche, kind of where we are at home in ourself and what is this, the status of that and what's our relationship to it at this yeah. current time. And um, so the old folks home has kind of morphed, the symbol has morphed a bit to maybe kind of express like, you know, what's kind of going on in the psychological landscape for you. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of living in the old folks' home, <laughs> and it's it's hard to know what the old folks' home represents to me. It's 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 appearing in my dreams multiple times, mm-hmm. and um, there might be a place of emptiness associated with it, mm-hmm. a place where people go to die, mm-hmm. a place where I had to go work, but mm-hmm. didn't feel very alive to me as much mm-hmm. as it felt sort of like. I mean, it's depressing. Right. I mean, I, I think most people probably have not spent much time in an old folks' home. Yeah. And honestly, you can. You can go volunteer. And I think it's a good exercise mm-hmm. to really confront the end of life mm-hmm. and to also really confront, like, what's happening to people in our society right. as they age. Yeah. Where do they go? Yeah. It's like they basically just go into this prison. Mm. I mean, and that's kind of harsh, but, like, that's sort of what it's like. It's like we kind of just lock them up. Mm. Hmm. Um, it's interesting for you to bring that up because it maybe speaks to at least a version of a, a current experience, you know, when you had this dream in August of yeah. like uh, the kind of stresses of a current environment, you know, internal and external that might feel stagnant, stuck, like life isn't flowing here and like mm. you want to burn it down. <laughs> right. That's interesting. The, yeah. the the COVID situation. I mean, yeah, always, yeah, yeah. it's important to understand like the, the real life things that are going on this time. Yes. There, there is just universally for people, people around the world, but you know, people who live in the U S like us, you know, the, the, there is sort of this uh, shelter in place, the lockdown thing mm-hmm. that's going on. Um, and there's the possibility of recession. Mm-hmm. There's the election coming up. There's, um, some civil unrest that's been mm-hmm. taking place. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that are stressful and, uh, you know, we are locked up yeah. and there is a feeling of emptiness mm-hmm. or sort of like, uh, the place where I am doesn't feel very alive. Right. Yeah. It's disconnected. And so it's, it's possible that the old folks home is, that's a link to that mm-hmm. energy yeah. that the psyche is playing with. Um, but yeah, I start a fire in yeah. my apartment and I burn it down <laughs> and I jump out the window mm-hmm. and run away. And um, the feelings associated with that are interesting mm. because I feel good about it. Yeah. Um, and I feel good about getting away with like getting away with it is kind of like, <laughs> like. Is there a type of liberation that's come from burning it down. Yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, I think the feeling is that the apartment is a burden. Mm. Mm. Um, Interesting. And I've burned it down, so no more burden. Right. Right. Three. And there's, there's, uh, you know, again, it's a dream. It doesn't make any sense. But the the idea of like, well, now that my house is burned down, I'm free. It's like, no, you're not. You're homeless. And like, <laughs> what, what about what about all the stuff you burnt inside your house? Like, yeah. all everything you own is gone now. Mm. It's like that's better. It's like, no, it's not. But like in the dream, right. it's just symbolic. Right, right. Of right. like, wouldn't it be nice if I could just clean up this mess, mm. cleanse mm. it by fire? Yeah, just yeah. burn all these things that are broken mm. around me. All these things that are not working properly. Yeah, this confusing disgusting mess of mm. like looking at the state of the world in many mm. ways and just being like what what is going on like mm. i don't know how to fix any of this yeah the psyche is like yeah well, why don't you just like burn it all down <laughs> that'll solve the problem right that's a quick fix you just yeah. blow it up and so i think those feelings are present in the dream mm. Mm. yeah you also start to 
kind of tap back into some of these other themes that we've seen in your series. Um, you're interacting with people and you're lying again, right. pretending you don't know anything about right. it. Right. I'm in trouble with the law. Mm. Well, and it's so explicit in the stream, but there is that worry of like, I broke the law and I'm mm. in trouble now mm. and the police might come to get me. Mm. But yeah, talking to people I know, my neighbors, possibly my friends and lying right. about something, keeping something very secret from right. them. Right. Um, that's incredibly alienating. Yeah. There's distance there. Right. Um, but there's a tension in you. Something really wants to be broken. Hmm. Something wants to be kind of cleansed in this way. And when we make these big changes, when we're in the process of evolution and transformation, it inherently affects those who are around us, those that we are in relationship to just hmm. by virtue of you changing your relationship to them evolves as well. And that's not always easy or people don't quite understand it, or it might take you closer to some or further away from others. Yeah. And there's sometimes maybe a desire to protect those, you know, you kind of want to like lie about what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of something to consider just in relation to what we're seeing here is like what is the tension of of change and transformation because we've seen we've seen a lot of death in the last dreams and like i said that to me really speaks to like evolution of consciousness mm. yeah um change wanting to make changes in my life um mm -hmm. wanting to grow trying to become someone better yeah and feeling restricted mm. from that in yeah. some way and i think the imagery of leaving home or mm. burning home or mm -hmm. running away from home, whether it's forced because I'm on the run from the police right. or I just burned it down myself. Um, wanting to break free of burdens and restrictions mm. in order to become someone new. And uh, the feelings of judgment um, that come with that. Mm. Like perhaps in the first stream, there's the murders and I want to change. Um, but I can't do it. I can't run mm. without getting in trouble. Yeah. I can't, um, I can't grow without breaking the bonds I have with the people mm. around me, with the community. And there's feelings that, uh, if I try to change and become someone I'm not, I'm rocking the boat mm. or, um, I'm a puzzle piece that fits inside a puzzle. And if I want to change my shape, I won't fit in the puzzle anymore. Right, right. So people around me might judge me for that mm. or they might try to stop me from doing that yeah. or be like what are, you, what are you doing i don't like the fact that you're changing because yeah. you play a certain role for me right and so that tension of feeling like well i can't play this role for you anymore because i need to change mm. i need to go somewhere and feelings of that tension the persecution that comes with trying to achieve something yeah is is difficult yeah and i think yeah. that that's being demonstrated by the dreams Here's an idea I just had. Yeah. You know, you have this dynamic of the police in a lot of these dreams, mm. which we think about as like a, a regulating force yeah. that which brings order to yeah. chaos. And if we think about it very subjectively, as in these are pieces of yourself, is there some sort of higher regulating force that's trying to keep maybe a slightly... Um, more immature or impulsive nature in line and that's maybe a tension like if, if the police is a part of yourself which might okay, be like the, you know the internal kind of uh commissioner who mm. is trying to like 
you know, be aware of that almost like tendency towards a criminality or a tendency towards like um, an explosive thing. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I just had that thought. No, that's good. I like that because there's <laughs> so there's the communal aspect of like, oh, you're wanted for murder. Yeah. Suddenly you're a pariah from the community. Right. So there's that. It's like the perception of social judgment. Sure. But the police, you're just like, it's a part of me, mm. let's say. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's self-judgment. Yeah. The higher consciousness of you your rational side mm. which is really strong in me the mm, thinking mm-hmm. side is really powerful yeah. it's almost like uh, the government or something right like, right, being like right. these are laws yeah. are in that you need to follow mm. and there's other versions of me maybe it's the inner child mm. maybe it's the more mischievous version of me yeah, maybe it's the, the version that's more passionate and wants to um, break free and be more emotional and express itself mm. is trying to escape yeah. And then the other side of me is like the police, like being like, get him, like back in line. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty powerful image. Um, and I yeah. think it's true. Yeah. And I think all of these things can be true. Yeah. Uh, it's something to kind of keep in mind as you work with your own internal symbols is the symbols by its nature, by their nature are malleable and they take different forms and have different dimensions and so even within sort of like a single dream or between one dream to the next they might hold a sort of different uh dynamic to them a different tone um and the the police can both be your own sort of inner judge um, but it can also be like a societal thing and both of those things are true and that's kind of the process of allowing the dreams to unfold and kind of learning your unconscious dreamscape is like you start to find kind of the the definitions of what all of these mean to you here's an interesting question Hmm. that just came to mind let's say that i've come to this conclusion from this discussion that the police do represent in my dreams Mm -hmm. higher consciousness okay they represent the um, top-down mm. imposing of structure sure. upon the more bottom-up sort of emergent passionate versions of mm-hmm. me and i think this is true for everyone mm. right it's like uh, there's different sides of you where the adult let's say the metaphorical adult in you is telling the child version of you like shape up do a better job mm. like get in line mm. like we have to do that to ourselves and we are doing yeah. that are doing that ourselves often um but if i know this if i brought this into awareness and like oh okay that's what the police represent mm-hmm. How is that going to affect the dreamscape moving on? Mm. Does that sort of taint the police showing up in my dreams now because I'm aware of it? Consciousness is like, oh, I get it, unconscious. <laughs> and the unconscious is like, oh, hmm. now that you get it, I need to find a new manifestation. Ooh, that's of a good structure. question. Um, maybe. Um, I'm going to leave this in a really like a mysterious area because mm-hmm. sometimes I think there is a sort of like a discovery or at least in this moment, you feel like you've kind of wrapped your mind around what the symbol is. Mm. And in another dream maybe there's kind of like a similar tone and yet the symbols are all different but instead of like police maybe there's like a military like group or something Mm. or like a band of like thugs who are kind of like you know fighting against something like who knows like the the symbol can evolve and i wouldn't say it's like the unconscious is like i've been outsmarted i gotta find something else it's it's more like um maybe there's another element to the symbol that you need to understand and Mm. so it's now taking a different shape um so yes 
maybe the the symbol itself might change, but maybe recognizing what the police meant for you, the next time it shows up in the dream, there might be some other elements around that symbol that have altered. And that's why we look at it as a series, because you can actually compare the differences and start to kind of like deduce based on that what is true, at least uh, for you personally. So just as some concluding remarks to say to mm. kind of close out these two episodes we just did. Yes. You can do this, right? Mm-hmm. And there might be tips of how you might do this. If you want to examine your dreams in series, mm-hmm. if you want to examine your dreamscape and try to make sense of what's happening inside because it gives you insight. Yeah. And we've demonstrated that in these last two episodes, mm-hmm. the insights that we're kind of gaining from examining this world. Yeah. And, you know, they're not always as concrete as you would like them to be mm-hmm. but still um how do people approach this what's sure. what's the best way to do this you yeah. know and we've even, we've even discussed that you are better at doing this than i am for instance well i would say I'm probably just, because you've worked at it right yeah, so yeah. how how do you work at it yeah i i think it's important to recognize that like your um fluency in this uh skill is gained over time and with commitment and practice. And so you might just be like, I barely remember anything, or I just have like an idea of what my dream was like. Write that down. Start there. Start with what you have. And if you don't dream at all, or basically you don't remember anything, it's time to start like moving libido in that direction. Put your energy towards wanting to cultivate a relationship and connection to that part of your psyche. Write down before bed, like, I want to dream tonight. You know, think about it as you go to sleep. When you wake up, um, try to hold on to what is present for you and just start very small. So capture the dream image, um, write down any sort of feelings or tones to the dream that you remember, um, any of the symbols or imagery. You just want to try to write as much detail as possible. And you start just by building consistency by doing that every day. And if you don't dream, you don't remember, just write down like no dream. It's like the act. You're starting mm. to just build repetition and right, mul- it's a practice. Yeah, muscle memory almost. Um, so starting there, you ne- actually just need content to work with to to be able to track a dream series. You need to have some dreams. So uh, writing writing all of those things down and then starting to pull apart. Um, what's going on in your analysis, which is what are the notable emotions that you experienced um, or how are you perceiving what's happening within the dream? What, um, you know, sometimes I think there's a tendency to just write the details. I walked down a road. I went into a car. I Mm -hmm. got on a boat. It's like, okay, what were you feeling when you went into the boat? What was happening kind of inside the dream egos? Um, perception all of that's important because that's all information so right so i mean when when i do that just for example i i I find ways to differentiate between what i think is the imagery of the dream Mm -hmm. and what i'm feeling or what seems to be happening or little notes Mm. so i'll I'll write down the imagery of the dream and then i'll have in parentheses um some sort of note Mm. which is like um you know Two people have been murdered in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm suspicious that I am the one who did it. And yeah. I'll do in parentheses. I'll make make it clear. It's like I don't know whether or not I did it for mm-hmm. some reason. It's mm-hmm. unclear in parentheses. Yeah. And then, you know, I am at the old folks' home and um, I live there. But in parentheses, it doesn't feel as if I'm old. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel as if other people living there right, are old folks. Right. That's in parentheses. Even though that's not really explicitly in the dream, there's a feeling there and sort of finding ways to um, have the like literal symbolic 
imagery mm-hmm. that you're picking up on and your analysis that's kind of going with it or the feelings that are associated with yes. it. You can find, yes. you could use different color pens if you wanted mm-hmm. to write it and like to, to, um, represent different layers of the dream yeah. in some way Yeah, that could be useful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're getting down kind of like the manifest content, that which actually appeared in the dreams, but then you're supplementing it with all the more subtle dynamics and then make sure to kind of write, you know, what's going on in your life presently. What's the context of mm. this dream kind of appeared? Um, and taking all of that into consideration, what does it seem to be speaking to? What might the dream be compensating for? Um, what elements are happening in your life that you can connect to this? And you just keep doing that and make sure to kind of then go back every few weeks um, and review. You'd be surprised how much you forget about your dreams even when you write them down. So you might totally. not notice a pattern. Sometimes it's obvious like, wow, Alyssa dreamt of another bear. Something weird's going on. Yeah. Sometimes it just like knocks you over the head other times it's more subtle right and uh you know as Alyssa and i are demonstrating right now it externalization of these things are really helpful yeah. in order to examine the fact that we're having a conversation about this mm-hmm. Alyssa's having insights about my dream that i would never have right, right and also i'm having insights just by trying to explain the dream mm-hmm. to her mm-hmm. of like you know what i just had this idea yeah. because i was saying it out loud to you mm-hmm. and this this amplification back and forth yeah. of yeah. each other's ideas happens when you have a conversation Yes. And so it's maybe you just even talk to yourself out loud. That yeah. can be useful. But if you have someone to talk to with all these practices, having other people involved mm-hmm. is always great. And it always um, points out things about your shadow, let's say, that you're mm. not paying attention to because the other person can see it yeah. and you can't because that's how the shadow is. It's what you're not paying attention right. to. So having conversations about your dreams, talking to someone about you, you had a dream about something. Um, will also reveal the sort of synchronistic patterns that might jump out because something's going to stand out to you. And because it stands out to you, maybe it's more significant for some reason. Yeah. Um, you can or, also externalize it kind of creatively as well. Sure. Yeah. Draw it, write a song, dance, paint, you know, if you don't really have another outlet, funnel it through creativity and kind of like try to capture the dream essence and just move through that and you might actually start to uh, kind of come to some conclusions that you wouldn't have before. Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast or if you're listening on YouTube you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.